Mac Power Users, Episode 679, Menu Bars, Docs, and Startup Apps. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined by your friend and mine, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? Oh man, I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to this show. We got a uh, we got a really cool thing going on here. We're going to be talking about menu bar apps, startup apps, yeah, doc apps, and uh, this is something that we do every two or three years on the show, and it's remarkable how it changes over time. I was really surprised, so I went back and and looked at our old document because we keep everything. I was like, yeah. S- because I really thought going into this, man, my stuff hasn't changed. A lot has changed, and, yeah. uh, and so that's been uh, it's been fun to go go through this list. But before we get too far, we got some housekeeping stuff. The All most right. important thing is happy birthday. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. So uh, another year around the sun, as they say. Yeah, yeah. I you know I was listening to a, a friend uh, talk about birthdays and getting older, and he was talking about how man I just don't have the energy I used to have to. I don't have that experience. I I just feel like uh, a young man still. I don't know. I have a lot going on. I'm super happy and super busy, and it's all good. But uh, yeah, it is a birthday, and that's cool. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, a couple other things we uh, just wanted to to touch on here at the top of the show. Uh, the show is now on Mastodon. So if you've been following along, lots of uh, drama at Twitter. We're not going to go, go into all of that. But Mastodon has been around for several years, but has really kind of taken off, especially in the Apple community. Uh, there have been communities on Mastodon for years, and the Apple community's kind of moved over there, at least in in some part. And so we've we set an account up for the show. It's on Mastodon.social, and the handle's just MPU. There's a link in the show notes. And we're going to treat it the way we do the Twitter account, where we uh, publish there if there's anything special going on, like a live show or merch or whatever. And then on Sundays when a show comes out, uh, that account will post uh, you know, the show title and the link and all that good stuff. Uh, so we had a couple of people uh, ask for that, and it was uh, I think it's a good idea. I think lots of people are over there. It's kind of gaining momentum in our in our sort of corner of the internet. So uh, mastodon.social slash MPU. You'll find us there. Yes. And the feedback uh, email, uh, we, we've been having a problem. We've had this feedback email for years, and now we get like 99 spam emails for every substantive email. Mm-hmm. And it's turning into a real project to manage that. And it, it, you know, you literally have to go through uh, a big stack of email to get anything substantive. So look, we can't do this anymore. It's, it's getting nuts. So we're retiring that email account and uh, please don't use it anymore. We have a system now for feedback right on the website, go there, it gets right to us. It doesn't get spammed out. And uh, that's just the way it's going to be for now on. Yeah. Yeah. Time, time for a change. And, uh, we're really happy with the feedback form that we've built, uh, on the relay website. That's been a project of mine uh, so far this year. I spent a lot of time thinking about what's the best way to gather feedback. And we have some, some changes coming to that form, some updates coming that may even be up by the time, uh, this episode is up where, uh, you can put in your preferred pronouns. And then if a show has specific things that we're gathering feedback about, uh, the host will be able to go in there and say, okay, like on Upgrade, for instance, if you listen to Upgrade, you know, they do an Ask Upgrade segment and a Snell Talk segment. 
um, we don't have regular segments like that, but I do think that moving forward as like as things come up, it just gives us more flexibility to have something that that we're in control of. So uh, there's a link to that in the show notes as well. And in fact, it's in the link. It's the it's in the show notes every week. It's put there programmatically by our content management system. Uh, it's definitely the best way uh, to get feedback to us. And the forums are still there. The forums aren't going anywhere. We're still very much invested in that as well. Uh, but it's time for the the email address to uh, to be sunsetted, as they say in Silicon Valley. There you go. I, I feel like maybe we should have a special email uh, feedback category uh, for people writing Stephen to tell him why he should buy the new Mac Pro when it comes mm. out. What do you think? Is that all right? I think we'll just cross that bridge when we get to when we get there. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I think one of us should get it, and I mean, <laughs> you have definitely set the precedent here. So it's for, it's for my work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are we are all enablers, Stephen. We, I know. We're, we're right behind you there. And um, also today on more power users, uh, I'm going to be talking about my new HomePod. I have thoughts, Stephen. I okay. spent some time with this new HomePod, so we'll cover that later. I have so many questions. All right, uh, but today we're here really to talk about docs, menu bars, and startup apps, and I think let's just start in the doc. Yeah, it's it's the the heart and soul of macOS. You know, it's well, you can hide it, but it is basically ever present. Right, it's it's one of those really big UI elements that came over from Next and Next Step and OpenStep. They had a doc, and it was very foreign. To, to Mac users. And there were there was drag thing and you know there were other uh takes on this over the years. But in this OS 10 era, which now is like 22 years old, which is hard to imagine, uh the dock has been front and center for for a lot of us. Um and we're just gonna immediately touch the third rail of Mac-based podcasting. David, tell me where you put your dock. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we need to talk about our doc philosophies because we you have to have one, right? Um, first of all, let me just say that the the typical like nerd statement that the doc should never go on the bottom because the vertical real estate on your monitor is too valuable, blah, blah, blah. I don't agree with that. I think that the doc on the bottom is a perfectly acceptable option if that's what you want to do. Um, however, I keep mine on the left side. And the reason is because I keep my iPad, uh, my status board iPad below my big screen. And as a result, when I drag down into the dock, sometimes I end up on a different screen, you know, so that's not good. Uh, so I actually put it on the left side and, um, and that just works for me. Now, if you have multiple monitors, you need to locate your dock. In fact, the the bottom is, is a great place for your, your dock because if you have multiple monitors, you don't want to, you know, be moving between screens and hit something in the dock or, you know, try to put your mouse on the dock and end mm-hmm. up on another screen. But uh yes, yeah, my current situation, and it's been that way for a long time, is the dock along the left side of the screen. And um and uh, how about you? Yeah, so mine is on the the right side of the screen and it, it's been there a long time. Uh originally when I started using it on the right was for a similar reason that I was using multiple displays, you know, 10 or 11 years ago when I first put it on the right-hand side and it's kind of just stuck there for me. I do want to point out though, there's this really cool free Mac app. It just came to my attention a couple of weeks ago. I think it's pretty new called Hi Doc, like hi, like hello, hi doc. And it lets you do this really cool thing where you can have custom dock settings 
when you're on different displays. And so say that you're a MacBook Air user and you use your laptop and you want your dock maybe on the side, kind of small or maybe even hidden. But when you're at your desk with your studio display, you want it always visible and, you know, bigger. HiDoc lets you manage that on a per setup basis. It's so good because Mac OS doesn't have any sort of ideas or controls for I want my dock to act differently in different situations. And the very thing you said, I think, is why a lot of people put the dock where they put it because, oh, I'm in a multi-screen setup and I would normally put it over there, but it causes a problem for some other reason. And with high dock, you can work around some of that stuff sort of situationally. It's super cool. Uh, but yes, to answer your question, mine is on the right-hand side. Yeah, and there used to be terminal commands where you could put it like top or bottom or left or right, you know. And I uh, last time I tried those terminal commands, they didn't work. I, and I don't know why, and I didn't really investigate into it. It was just one of those huh moments, and I moved on. But like HiDoc does give you the ability to put the location. Um, that, you know, you can location it on the side as well. Um, so that's cool. And uh, this is a, a, an interesting app. I had I wasn't aware of it before. Yeah, it's cool. The other part of Doc philosophy is: Do you show the doc or do you hide the doc? Uh, always visible. Um, and yeah. and I should say for this because I'm a two Mac person. I'm just talking about my desktop today. It was too confusing in the show notes to be like, well, on my laptop, I do this. On my desktop, I do that. But uh, at all times, visible. For me, one of the things I use the dock for is to see what's running and to drag things into other applications. And uh, there are some terminal commands, or at least there used to be, that you could speed up the animation for the dock coming in. So if it's if it's hidden... You bring your cursor to the screen that, you know, whatever edge of the screen it's on, and then it comes in. And I found that to be kind of annoying having to wait for it, but you can speed it up. Uh, at least you you were used to be able to. Uh, but for me, it is in the, uh, man, it's just uh, got to be there on the uh, on the side and, and always visible. Yeah, I, I keep it visible, but I have a script I run when I start screencasting that does a bunch of things. And one of them is it hides the dock uh, because when I'm making video screencasts, I think a lot of people, you know, it's distracting to see all my apps over there. Mm-hmm. So often my screencast, it doesn't show up, but then I have another script I run when I finish screencasting. And the first thing it does is unhide the dock. And the way I do that is you can just attach a keyboard shortcut to show or hide the dock in the settings app on the Mac. And the one I use is, I think it's control function F10 or F9. Uh, but either way, um, I just, so I have, um, it's part of a keyboard master script and it just presses that key combination, whatever it is, and the doc uh, shows up and then leaves again. Uh, but so I, I do hide it when I record, but otherwise I have it there all the time. More philosophy though, do you use the doc to launch apps? I do, uh, really pretty often. Um, if I sit down, I'm just logged into my Mac, you know, I'll go through and open, you know, six or seven apps that I kind of want running all the time that I, that aren't in startup items and something like, uh, you know, let's, let's take day one. It's in my dock right now. Yeah. You know, I generally will launch apps with Alfred as well, but like day one being in my dock and me seeing it is like a reminder of like, Hey, you should be like, you should like put stuff in day one sometimes. And so uh, I do keep it visible. Um, and, 
I use it as a launcher, but also sort of a, a placeholder. Yeah, I call that aspirational uh, location. I do the same <laughs> thing with some menu bars too. Things that you want to make sure you use, like I have Freeform is in my dock. And that's because I've been trying to use it more. But, you know, seeing it there helps trigger you to say, oh, yeah, I need to do that. Yeah. The, the other thing is, do you, uh, uh, to, I don't launch things from the dock almost ever. I can't think of the last time I did. I always do them with um, launchers like Alfred, but um, I still like having them there. And uh, next philosoph- philosophical question do you keep apps in there? Well, I guess you answered it already. Do you keep apps in there that aren't running? I mean, some people, the dock is just showing running apps. Yeah. Um, but you have, you have apps in there, as do I, that are are not currently running, but they're things I want to keep track of or, mm-hmm. or, or see. Um, what about Zooming? I know a lot of nerds get wound up about that one, too. Like, do you... <laughs> Do you let them zoom or do you keep them in their, their natural state? No zoom for me. Okay. I zoom zoom because I've got so many in there. It makes it easier to hit the targets when I go in there. Yeah, that's fair. Not, not an insane zoom though. You know, it doesn't like a classy zoom. zoom. Yeah. Yeah. It's classy zoom. That's, that's it. Yeah. You can go too far with that. I think it's like, gets enormous. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. One relative, I mean, relative, I'm putting that in air quotes because the doc's been around for over two decades, but one relative new thing is that you can have a recent documents and uh, or, or recent applications rather in the dock. And so, for instance, say that I open um, I open uh, the home app and say that's not normally in my dock. It'll hang out in my dock until it gets pushed out by a more recent application. I have that turned off because I found it kind of distracting and like sometimes downright confusing of like what was in the dock and what wasn't. And so I, I, I turned that off basically. Uh, I tried it for a while then haven't, haven't turned it back on. I don't use it either. It's, it's, I, I mean, if I want something, I just launch it, you know, so I don't really need that. Um, the, um, there used to be another terminal command, uh, that would allow you to create, um, it would create a, a little widget like in your dock where you could see recently opened apps, recently opened folders, recently opened files. And that died a couple of releases ago, I mm-hmm. think with the Apple Silicon um, transition. And I don't know if that's just because whatever was enabling it got removed from the terminal or, or what, but yeah, there, there have been historically some things you can do, but I was looking into that as we prep for the show. And I like, you could take, you could solve these problems if you wanted to, you know, have more interactive stuff in your doc. Like you could create a recent folders, smart folder in Finder and just drag yeah. it into the dock and see it. So there are ways around that, but the, the old, you know, for the old timers that used to do that terminal command, uh, no more. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we've covered all the philosophical questions of the doc here. So uh, let's dive in. What's in your doc? More than you may imagine. <laughs> I put this list together. I was like, There's a lot of stuff over there. Yeah. Uh, I guess because I'm on the right side, where we're both on the sides. As I start at the top, right? Obviously, we've yeah. got a uh, we got Finder. Finder's always yeah. there. He's always smiling yeah. upon us. Um, we've mentioned several times things you used to be able to the dock, used to be able to do to the dock. The dock has been rebuilt several times as Apple has moved forward in their technology. Uh, including the Finder logo. In fact, recently I was running some old versions of Mac OS X for something. I was like, oh man, I love, I like the new Finder 
icon way more than the old one now that you're we're used to the new one. Uh, but it's always present. It's always running. Finder is both an application, but also sort of the the overall shell, or not in a technical sense, but like it's sort of it is Mac OS, right? Like when nothing else is running, you're just in Finder. And so Finder is always in the dock and and right up top. And it makes me happy to see my little buddy over there. You say that, but I remember in the old days of Quicksilver where uh, some of us nerds would run the terminal commands to kill the Finder and try and run all file management through Quicksilver. <laughs> and uh, yes, I did that once. I did that for like a couple months and realized that was really dumb. And then I put the Finder back. Um <laughs> And uh, I know, <laughs> go ahead and laugh. I actually deserve that. Um, uh, right under the finder for me is uh, Fantastical. Um, we did, we just covered Fantastical on the show. Um, I love this calendar app. I use a calendar all day and it puts the current date. So one of the nice things I like is my eyes drift over there and I see what day it is. And uh, so I like that Fantastical. That's good. Uh, second down for me is Timery. And this, uh, what was your phrase? Aspirational location. Um, yeah. When I started time tracking again, now a little over, a, I don't know how long it's been. It's been a while, uh, over a year. I put timery at the, basically the top of my dock. So it was really hard to ignore. And I've kind of kept it there for the same reason. Like, yeah, it's not, like, it doesn't show any status, right? It's just an icon, but having it, there like it's it's right next to like time machine my time machine drive on my desktop right it's just right there yeah and that has helped me kind of keep it top of mind yeah good um the um put a pin in that when we get to menu bars i want to talk about that but um cool uh underneath underneath fantastic how i have safari and it's just because safari is just so you know the web is so key to everything i do and i always just keep that one on top yeah that's good. Up next for me is reminders. Uh, a lot of, obviously, a lot of what I'm doing at my computer is task based, and having that with its badge telling me what I've got left due in the day uh, and what's overdue because they added that feature for me. Uh, it's uh, and it's always, I mean, whatever task manager I'm using, it has changed over the years quite a bit. Uh, it has always been basically at the top of my dock for, again for that reason. Like it's really important status wise. And uh, keeping it up high means it doesn't get lost in sort of the shuffle of things further down. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, for me, there is now in my dock a block of what I call comms apps, right? So the uh, uh, I guess should I, I'll just list all four of them. Okay. The, uh, uh, Apple Mail, Messages, Slack, and Discord. And they're together because that's where I do communications and I just like to keep them together, and uh, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, uh, with the um, with the Apple Mail, uh, I turn off all badging except for VIPs. And okay. So to the extent the badge shows up, it's something I really need to deal with. Um, and the others, like messages, I turn off all badging. I, I was thinking the other day, I am so bad at messages. My family, um, it's they get so angry because they text me, but I don't check messages and, you know, maybe once or twice a day, I, I'm bad. I probably make you mad too, but I just don't, I just don't like jump every time the messages thing goes off. But mm -hmm. so I, I don't do a lot of badging, but all the comms apps are right there. I'm like having them blocked together in my dock. It's really funny. Mine is basically the same. So 
under reminders, I've got Chrome, which is, I, I go between Chrome and Safari. Right now we're doing a lot of development work at Relay and Chrome's development tools and some of the things that you can do with Chrome plugs plugins are very helpful for some of that stuff. And so I've been on Chrome for the last couple months. But then I have basically the same block. I've got messages. Uh, I've got MimeStream, which is what I use on the Mac for my email. We talked about before this awesome third-party uh, Mac OS client for Gmail. So if you use iCloud email or something else, you can't use MimeStream, at least currently. It's uh, Gmail only. Uh, and then Discord and Slack. So again, that same, it's very funny to me, that same sort of communications bundle. Those four in my mind are of a kind. And they're yeah. all basically open all the time. And I do let I let messages and MimeStream badge. And uh, that works. That works well enough for me. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to um, change that. I'm going to I'm going to start badging Slack and, and messages because I I've realized that I am I've taken it too far. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to try and get better at, at responding to those faster. But yeah, and, and to me, they're in order of priority, you know. Although I don't know if Apple, if mail should be the top priority, but I, uh, that's a whole nother discussion. But either way, um, uh, so I've got that grouping. Then I've got my project management grouping, um, uh, which is craft, um, OmniFocus, and reminders, like task management stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, um, you know, we we talked about those apps on the show. Craft is increasingly becoming important to me as I use it to. Um, manage projects with team members and then OmniFocus for personal. And I'm continuing to experiment with reminders. It's just such a great app and um, we're using it a lot for shared uh, reminders in the family and things like that. But yeah. um, OmniFocus is still my beloved. And, uh, but I put those three next to each other. Yeah. My organization sort of falls apart at this point. Like there's like some rough groupings, but um, as we get towards the bottom, all my audio production stuff is like the bottom third yeah. of my doc. Uh, but I've got calendar and notes. So, I'm, you know, again, like this theme we've been talking about, these these native applications, calendars and notes are perfect for me. And I have a lot of shared calendars, a lot of shared notes. And again, two things that are basically always open. Uh, in fact, right now I've got a couple of notes minimized in the doc because I'm, I'm going to come back to them later. But uh, those two are are next to each other. And like Fantastical, Calendar puts the date right there um, in the doc, which it, it didn't used to do. Um, and then it did it only when it was running. And now it does it all the time. So it's been it's been an evolution to get there again as the doc has undergone, you know, significant changes as as Apple's technology has evolved. But um uh, those are those are next for me, and then uh, this is my next section is kind of organized. Let's call it links, um, where I have uh, Reader, which is a, an excellent RSS app for the Mac. Um, I use it on my iPhone and iPad as well, but I really love the Mac version in particular. Uh, I've used Reader for a long, long time, uh, but it is right above Good Links, which I use to save links either for just I'm going to read them later, like an article someone sends me and I don't have time right now or something. You know what? I, I may link to this or I may want to save this into Devon think later, but I can't right now. Or I mean, some of these things are also kind of like to do's. like I have this one at the bottom uh, to look at. Um, uh, 
I need to replace the antenna on my truck because I broke it off and I, I have the parts, but I have in good links at the bottom. It's been there for like a year. The forum post showing you how to do it. That, look, that should be a task, but it's not. And it's just hanging out in good links. Uh, so the, those, are, you know, RSS and read it later, they're, they're two sides of a coin, as we've talked about before. And, and so they're next for me. Yeah, I have made some changes with my RSS. It has nothing to do with the doc, but Readwise has a reader app in beta that is pretty good. So we'll, uh, we'll come back to that someday. Uh, but ne- the next in my grouping is day one. Uh, which I have moved while you were just talking because it really, in my mind, is another comms app, but it's comms with myself. So I put that at the bottom of the comms stack. And then below that, I've got um, like information apps, mm-hmm. Obsidian, Freeform, Apple Notes. And uh, so those are ones where I kind of, those are kind of my notes apps. And uh, I've got those together. Yeah. Rounding out my sort of links section. I've got Dev and Think, which of course is home to my uh, ever-growing, it seems like, uh, collection of computer history sources. So it started life as Apple history, but it I haven't really branched out in my coverage of other things, but I'm interested in other things. So just like tens of thousands of items saved in Dev and Think. It's the only app I found that can manage that sort of data collection in a way that is actually functional. Like I can search across everything. It does OCR. Cause you know, a lot of times I'm like importing old PDFs that maybe don't have uh tech text, you know, recognized in them. And it's, it's the only tool for the job and they have an iOS app, which I use on occasion, but in my mind, Devin think is uh, a Mac app. And uh, it just kind of looking at eyeballing it. It's basically dead center in my doc, which is also kind of funny. But it's in that sort of links section along with reader and good links. Uh, and right below it is is Mars Edit, which is a, an awesome Mac app for uh, publishing to several online platforms, including WordPress, which is what I use it for. Uh, Five Twelve Pixels runs on WordPress, and Mars Edit is how I publish almost everything that goes on the site. For me, I've got, now it turns into chaos. Uh, but basically, I, I've got drafts there, which I do a lot of writing in. And then I've got a bunch of, I guess, for lack of a better term, utility apps. Um, uh, Text Expander, ScanSnap, Keyboard Maestro, Hazel, Better Touch Tool, Moom. You know, the, all those show up. And some of those I know I could turn off their dock icons, mm-hmm. but I don't mind it. And if I want to get into them, I can. Like one of the things I do with doc apps, which I've been increasingly experimenting with, is since I'm a, such a big fan of spaces and having like like a communication space and a production space, if you right click on an app in the doc, one of the settings you can say is open only in this space, mm-hmm. which is a great way to like group these things together. Like a, a good example is my, you know, that comms batch, you know, mail. Uh, messages, Slack, Discord, those are all on basically space one for me. But I've right-clicked on all of them and said only open in this space while they're in space one. So if I hit mail, my computer just flies over there and it doesn't suddenly put, you know, Slack on one on space three and mail on mm-hmm. space two and messages. So so I, I keep them there so I can like manage them that way. But I, I've just got a big block of them there that 
um, just do a bunch of utilities. Oh, and settings. How did I not say that? Of course, settings is there too. Um, so I've got a group of them there at the bottom. Okay. Are we at the end of your dock? Yeah, sort of. I mean, it's also showing open apps that are not on the dock, which is currently, um, um, uh, is, uh, well, I've got mail made open cause I was doing some testing on that for the labs. I got photos, home assistant, a couple things down running down below that aren't normally there, but we're at the end. Okay. I got a ways to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Some of these we talked about. So day one, we talked about, uh, photos I keep in the dock. Um, always have, and um, that is sort of coupled with music. Something else that I always keep in the dock is I listen to a lot of music. Basically, if I'm not recording or editing a podcast, I've got music playing, and so music is there. And then uh, I get to my apps for podcast production. So Audio Hijack for recording podcast uh or recording ads or any voice you know any voice stuff i need to do audio hijack is also awesome because you can record uh application audio it's like on a recent episode of connected we were talking about the 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 event from like 2010 like the back to the mac event where they introduced like the good macbook air and like oh touch screens make your arm fall off and people have talked about that a lot in their recent weeks because there's rumors that touch screens are coming to macs and it's like, well, what did they actually say? Because like I've heard many people on podcasts like, oh, Apple said this 10 years ago. And so I went back and listened and then recorded it with Audio Hijack and put it in the show. Um, so it's it's a, just a Swiss Army knife for, for audio on the Mac. Uh, Zoom, we record uh, over Zoom. All my meetings are over Zoom, so it's there. And then Logic for editing forecast is a app by our friend Marco Armit, which I think I've talked about before, uh, but it is a really awesome encoder MP3 encoder for the Mac. So in logic, I export a wave file. Well, I can't send you the listener a wave file, right? I need an MP3. And so forecast is what I use to uh, create the MP3 to put in the metadata. So podcast title, episode title, the artwork, and then if I have any um, chapters that need links or special artwork, I can I can do it all there as well. And then uh, the last audio app is Overcast, which runs on the Mac. It's it's just the Apple Silicon like, oh, we can suddenly run iOS apps on the Mac. It, it's just that trick. Overcast is not awesome on the Mac. Uh I honestly hope that at some point Marco does Catalyst version. Uh, he's on in a future episode. Maybe we can ask him. Um, but I keep it there because when I publish, I want to make sure that uh, everything's okay on the other end. And I use Overcast for that because Overcast is the fastest thing I've ever found in terms of refreshing from an RSS feed uh, for a podcast player. A lot of podcast clients take their sweet time finding a show and Overcast is really fast. And so... I will skim through the show just to make sure all my chapters are there. And, you know, occasionally I've had problems with that. So uh, that's sort of the uh, the audio section. And there was a time where none of those were in the dock and I would just launch them with uh, with Alfred. But as I've used them more and more over the years, uh, they've, they've sort of graduated from being launched with a launcher just basically always, always being there. 
And uh, and so it's a whole little section there of all my my audio production stuff. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention in my utility app block Zoom and Audio Hijacker in there. So yes, I keep those in the doc too. Yeah, tools of our trade as, as podcasters. And then uh, anchoring my doc at the bottom uh, is one password. Uh, I'm in and out of it all the time. I have it at the bottom because it's always in the same place. Like smash my mouse in the bottom right, you know, co- uh, corner of the screen and one password is there somewhere. And uh, again, something that hasn't changed in a long time. It's It's been the end of my doc for years and years. Before we wrap up the, the doc conversation, uh, you can also put folders in the in the doc. And uh, uh, I'm curious if you've got any down there as, uh, as stacks. I don't. I probably should. Uh, you know, the way I handle that is um, I've got a bunch of scripts I've written in Keyboard Maestro and Apple Script where I push a button on the stream deck and it opens a finder to a specific location for me. And so that's just never found its way into the doc. Um, like I, I've got, just looking at my stream deck right now because we're recording MPU, I've got a button here that will open me directly to the folder where the recordings go. And then next to that is a button that says send to Jim. <laughs> and if I push that button, all the files in that folder get copied to him. And then I've got another button that if I press, it shows me the folder in Dropbox where they're copied. So I can confirm that they got sent there. And so all that stuff for me is done with um, a mixture of keyboard maestro scripts, Apple scripts, and and uh, Stream Deck buttons because okay. I'm a nerd. Yeah, I've got two really just for quick super quick access anywhere in the system because the doc's always visible for me. Um, I've got my Dropbox folder. Uh, every Almost everything on my computer that matters is either in an app that iCloud manages the data or it's in Dropbox. And I can very quickly, you know, I blast around of the different folders I need. Uh, and then I have downloads, which back in Mac OS X Leopard, when they introduced the downloads folder, it, it came with stacks at the same time. So you could have, you know, before that, your downloads, I think, I think they went on your desktop in Safari. Like it was not good. And so they sort of tidied that up. And um, I find them actually pretty useful. I mean, uh, especially the downloads where I could very quickly get to something without opening a new finder window or uh, disrupting wherever I am currently on the system. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to do that. And because because I used to have the downloads in there and I'm just looking, there's like, there's no reason, like I'm working right now on the Obsidian field guide. I'm in those files every day. There's no reason why I couldn't just have it in my dock as opposed to having to go navigate in the finder or put it on a button. Yeah, you've inspired me. I'm going to change that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. And, and like I said earlier, you could make smart folders for those as well. You know, uh, in the finder on Mac OS, you could say, give me only files that I've touched in the last, you know, two days and then you could have a, a doc icon that shows you that. So if you're working on projects for work and you just want to be able to quickly see stuff that you've worked on recently, that'd be something you do. In fact, that's something that I may do. Yeah. It's really clever when you can combine things in finder and the doc because they are, they're siblings, right? Like everything in the doc is also in finder, but when you can bring things back the other way, uh, it's actually pretty cool. And I remember an early example of this in macOS was uh, they put a shortcut to like the support site or something in the dock on all new clean installs of like Panther or Tiger or something. 
you know, it's like, okay, I don't need a URL down there, but having some folders there, especially if you like wire up some cool smart folders, I think I think it's a pretty useful idea because you can fully interact with them from the doc. So like in my Dropbox stack, if I go in here and I go into documents, there's a PDF here. If I click on the PDF, it opens it in preview. I never see it in Finder and it can be a really fast way to get to things that maybe you need access to. But again, like right now, I've got one Finder window open. It's got two tabs. One is my recording and one is the folder that will upload to Jim. I don't want to disrupt that. I don't want to add to it. I want to leave it as it is while we're recording. But if I need to get to something else, I can use, again, that Dropbox or download stack. So I find it I find it really useful. Yeah. While you were talking, I put together a smart folder that is just looking for anything that is a document that has been opened in the last three days on my Mac. And it's showing me, you know, the seven or eight files I've been working on. We just were recording this on Monday, so there isn't a lot in here. And then I just put that over in the doc. And now anytime I want to see, get quickly to the last few files I've been working on, they show up and I am, uh, I'm already sold, baby. I wrote an Apple script this morning, Stephen, to change the volume in Apple Music. <laughs> I, because think, just, just go with me here. Um, you know, the volume dial on your Mac controls all the volume. Right. But if you're playing music through your HomePod and you want to lower the volume of that but not turn, there's just no way to do it with the with the keyboard commands. You've got to go to the music app and push it. And uh, just a little four-line Apple script. And I made one that raises it and one that lowers it. And I'm going to put them on Stream Deck buttons and I can solve that niggling problem. But uh, I got a little script here that I worked on in the last three days. What a nerd. That's why we love you. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. It's my favorite tool for getting started with automation. It can save you time starting today. Go to textexpander.com slash MPU to get 20% off your first year. Now, we've all heard of text expansion tools where you type in a few letters and then suddenly it bloops out a bunch of text for you. Well, Text Expander is that, but plus so much more. Text Expander is developed by a group of people that want to make the best text expansion app on any platform. And Text Expander is on any platform. It's on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, iPad. And it can do just about anything you want with text. If you want to type just a few strings and it pops a whole paragraph or a whole document out, you can do that. When I was an attorney, I used to do a bunch of contract clauses that way. I would type X attorney fee clause, just that one phrase with no space in it, and it would uh, knock out a whole two-paragraph clause for me that I would use in contracts all the time. I also use it as Mac Sparky because it helps me send customer service emails out. Anything I do that's repeated, I put in Text Expander. And Text Expander just doesn't give you the text. It gives you special characters, tab keys, fill-in forms, the current date, the contents of your clipboard. You can do just about anything with this app. You can even run Apple scripts in it. That's how I use Text Expander to fill in the name of recipients of emails that I send. It's just a super powerful tool. And if you've got a team, it multiplies because then your team members can use the same database or the same library. So if you have a customer support thing you want to do, you write the perfect text for it. 
everybody in the company then uses the exact same snippet. It's a very powerful application. It's also a great on-ramp to automation. Go check it out right now, textexpander.com slash MPU. They were the very first sponsor of the Mac Power users, and we really appreciate that, but they just continue to make a killer app. Once again, textexpander.com slash MPU. Get that 20% off and let them know you heard about it from us. So let's shift gears and talk about our menu bars. Uh, obviously, we want to talk about philosophies, but... Yes, we have philosophies, yeah. I feel like the philosophies are a bit more limited when it comes yeah. to the menu bar. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, do you, do you use something to hide some menu bar applications? Maybe things that have to run a menu bar item or things that you don't you don't need it very often, but occasionally you do. So how do you approach that? The um, well, it depends on real estate, right? Like if you live in Montana and you got a big farm, you it's a bit much different than being in the city, right, and having a little yard. Um, so if you're on a laptop with uh with limited menu bar space plus a notch, I think you know that changes the game. Uh, what what is true is that currently we have several tools available to us that allow us to hide menu bar items, and that gives you that option. Now, on my giant 32-inch screen, you would think I would just show them all, but I find it a little distracting, honestly, because I have so many. Uh, so I've kind of got to the point where I um, I use Bartender, mm-hmm. uh, which I definitely use on a laptop. Bartender is just so good to solve that problem. But I've been using it on my big screen, too, and just showing the ones I really need to see and hiding all the other stuff until later. The other thing I find that Bartender does is it allows me to consistently keep things where they belong. In fact, maybe that's the big reason I use Bartender on the big screen because I kept finding that things were moving on me. Like I like with the calendar app, I like it to show me the next event, but at one point it'll be on the right side and the next point it'll be in the center. I don't want, I want it to stay where my eyes know it, know to go. So um, I use Bartender. That was a long way to tell that. Um, I also use another app though. Uh, there's a free app called Dozer and that's like an open source version of bartender. It's not as good, but it's free and it, um, it allows you to do stuff too. And the problem that I needed to solve was I have the bartender set up, which is stuff that when I'm using my Mac, you know, but then when I record, I don't want, I want an even different set in my menu bar and it's a very small set because I found that when I had all my menu bar apps and I would record, I'd get all these emails saying, well, what's that do? And what's this do? And, and then people will say, this is distracting, blah, blah, blah. So I, I use Dozer when I, um, when I record, just like I hide the dock, I run, I, I shut down, um, bartender and I run Dozer and which is an, a very limited amount of apps in my menu bar mm-hmm. and all that's done on a script. I was not familiar with Dozer, but it looks really awesome. It kind of reminds me of Vanilla, which is a, a kind of the third app in this category that lets you hide uh, menu bar items. Where in Dozer, you kind of set like the start and end point, and everything outside of that is hidden. Vanilla kind of acts that way, where Bartender is a bit more uh, complex. Bartender is a paid app, but I think if you're on a notebook, and you you find yourself bumping up against that notch, or you know even if you don't have a notched <laughs> MacBook, 
if you're just running out of space or you want a cleaner look, um, bartender is well, well worth the money in my mind because it does give you so much more control than uh, than some of these others. But Dozer looks really awesome. I'm going to play with this. It was it was new to me, like I said. Yeah, and the the thing bartender does that's an improvement is it puts the remaining menu bar items on a second row which goes right underneath a notch if you've got a notch. So it really solves the notch problem for you. I do wish bartender had multiple profiles, you know, so I could have like a bartender profile for recording versus a bartender profile for, you know, doing work where you could change the, the menu bar set based on what you're doing. In fact, I would tie them to focus modes if I could and really just have it like really customize the menu bar based on what I'm doing. I'm going to write that guy. I feel like I got some ideas for him. But either way, so yeah, that's the first philosophical question. Do you hide it? Uh, you have a big screen too. Do you hide it? I uh, I don't on my big screen. Now, if I'm just yeah. on my laptop, uh, I do. Because do you have a problem <laughs> on your big screen with the menu bar item seem to migrate around a bit? Yeah, they move around. Uh, yeah, especially on like a restart or logging in, it seems like it kind of depends on their launch order, and I don't. It's very. It's always been kind of confusing to me to understand what uh, is exactly in control of that. Other than the ones at the end, I basically don't really care what order they're in. But it is something that it can be a bit annoying if you're if you're extremely picky. Yeah, and you know you could run bartender and not hide anything, <laughs> but get advantage of that feature where it does it keeps the order right for you. You know, mm-hmm. now that I think about, it, I should maybe try that. Um, but we'll see. Uh, they, it, it's a uh, it's a tricky problem, and I don't know why Apple hasn't done a better job of that. But like, I feel like if you say I want the calendar on the right and I want the focus mode to the left, it just should be that way. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's got worse over the years. This is something, but but launch orders probably have something to do with it. And the more things you launch, the more likely it is to get scrambled. Yeah, it's it's a bit weird. Is that the end of our philosophical questions? I think so. I think yes. so. Yeah. Uh, desktop or laptop, show them all. Okay, we're good. Let's start talking about what we've got up there. All right. Uh, For me, moving left to right, uh, the first thing is Timery. Uh, I let Timery run in the menu bar. I have it set to show me the the project that's running and the elapsed time. So right now it says MPU, uh, an hour and 30 minutes. That's when I sat down to record my ads and, you know, do my final look, you know, walk through through the document. And I will leave that running through uh, through the end of our recording and when I upload my files. And so uh, it gives me, you know, right, right there. I can see exactly either what I've told Timery I'm doing or more often than not what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, and so that's, uh, that's a very useful tool. Yeah, that, that feature where it shows you the currently running timer, I think is really good, like in terms of helping you stay on track with your work. Because you look up there and you're like, oh, MPU, I should be working on MPU right now. I shouldn't mm-hmm. be, you know, looking at sharpening stones. And then, um, so that's good. Uh, but uh, I'm going to go from right to left, just okay. the opposite. So so I've got I've got the time over there, of course, which you don't have a choice right now. Yeah. And then I've got Siri 
and I have no idea why I've not taken Siri off of. Yeah, my you got to banish Siri. Get that out of there. I know. I in fact, there's a setting where it just doesn't show up there. I never trigger it. It's just wasted real estate. It's very small, cute icon, but I, I like Siri on my mobile devices. Um, I like Siri dictation on my Mac, but I never use Siri on my Mac the way you know. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, well, why, let's just keep bouncing back and forth. I've got more of it. Okay. What, what have you got next to your left? Yeah. So uh, up next for me is a relative newcomer called One Thing that lets you just put a string of text in your menu bar. This is different than some of the apps that let you run like scripts that put things in your menu bar. Uh, this is literally just a text field. Uh, and I have my theme. Uh, last year was quarterly, but this year I did an annual theme and I have it up there just as like a little billboard of like, Hey, this is sort of your, you know, kind of your guiding yeah. post for the year. You know, you want to keep that in mind as you make decisions. And that's, that's been nice. I like that. Cool. Uh, I've got a few more like utility types, uh, starting from the right side. I've got, you know, that, that, um, what they, what does Apple call that? The slide down control control panel, center control control center yeah of course that's there you don't really have a choice but uh i do access it um and wi-fi and then uh, so those are just the apple ones but the, the first substantive one i have as i've already mentioned is fantastical and i have it showing the current date but i also have it showing uh some information it always shows me um the currently running appointment or if there's not a currently running appointment it shows me the next appointment mm -hmm. um and i like that as i work through the day because i time block i can see you know what's coming up in my dock i also have the button switched where it puts the um if there is a zoom call or a, any type of online component to it it puts the icon up there and so you can kick off a zoom call just by clicking the icon in the menu bar which I do frequently. So um, Fantastical actually takes quite a bit of room. I'd say probably right now about two linear inches in my menu bar. Yeah, th that's such a nice feature of Fantastical. I know we talked about it uh, on that episode a couple of weeks ago, but it is pretty sweet. Uh, another newcomer for me in the last year or so is Elswin, uh, which is written by some folks that I know from the Relay members Discord. Uh, Elswin is a... Again, it's a iPhone, iPad app that runs on the Mac, and it gives you basically two tools. One, you can do a list of time, like time zones. And so if I say, say that I'm going to have a blog post, say, hey, I'm going to stream at 10 a.m. Well, then I can use this to build a little list. I'm like, well, that's 8 a.m. this time, 6 p.m. that time, and you can put little flags or emoji in there. Um, and then it also creates short codes to use in... Uh, Discord. So Discord has this really cool feature that if you have the right snippet of code and you put it in, so instead of typing out 4 p.m. on Thursday, I can go into Elsewin, I can make it set to 4 p.m. on Thursday, and then I can copy the, the little code and put that in to my message in Discord. And what that does, everyone sees it in their local time zone in Discord. It is the coolest thing. Every application should steal this. Mostly Slack. I would love to have this in Slack as well. Uh, and Elswin does uh, both of those things. My only complaint about this, and if the developers are listening, this is my official feedback, is the menu bar icon is humongous. It has their icon, but then it says Elswin next to it. You don't need to take up the space of three other icons. Like, 
You can just have your logo, and I promise you it's fine. But uh, other than that complaint, uh, Elsewin is, it's really useful because, you know, I manage a, a big, ever-growing ever Discord server, and being able to create those times and and be, being, uh, you know, courteous so people don't have to, like, do the math themselves, I think that's important, and Elsewin makes it really easy. Nice, nice, yeah. I, I have that one, too, but it's under Bartender. Uh, the next one for me uh, is currently timing. I, I jump back and forth between timery and timing. Um, currently, I'm on a timing kick. It's um, uh, the thing about it. I mean, they're they're both very good, but it, if you um, because timing does the tracking. In fact, we did a whole show on this. I don't need to go into this, right? But timing does give you good data in terms of what was I doing on my Mac at this point. I spend so much time on my Mac, but I have the thing doing just like timery, where it shows me my currently running timer, which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah, and timing was recently updated to be able to look at your screen time data so you can get a, yeah. a, a fuller picture of maybe what you're doing on your other devices, which is cool. Yeah. What else? What else do you got? Uh, I've got I've got a bunch. <laughs> uh, one of the things that is out of the control center, um, I, I took the focus mode out. Like you can drag them out and put them on the menu bar. Right. And I have my currently running focus mode showing up right next to my timer. And I really like that, you know, like I can see right now I'm in podcast mode and that's really great. And I can change it in the menu bar and uh, I find that they're both informative and useful in terms of, you know, changing my setups. So uh, really great. And I recommend it. If you're into focus modes, put them in your menu bar separately. Yeah, that's a neat, that's a neat trick that if you have something you really use all the time and you don't want it buried in, in control center, you can. Uh, pull them out like we used to be able to do, right? It used to be those were all separate things. So we'd all, we would all have Wi-Fi yeah. and Bluetooth and display yeah. and sound. And overall, I like the condensing of those things. But sometimes you do have something that is important enough that you want it out on its own. I also am a big fan of an app called Drop Zone, which we've covered on the show in the past. Yeah. It's a little utility app where uh, it does a couple things. First of all, it's, it's like a shelf app. You can drag anything onto it and then paste it somewhere else, which is good if you do any type of production stuff. But it also, you can create special like uh, zones where you drop things. Like I've got one for my action folder, which is what gets processed by Hazel. So I just drag a folder or a file onto the drop zone icon and then onto the action folder and that puts it in there. I have another one where it copies a file to my desktop if I want. I've got one called Burn Bag. If I put something in there, um, and uh, then like a month later, it deletes the file. And so it's just like stuff that I send out that I don't want to keep. And uh, it's just real, you know, real convenient for that. Another thing I do with Drop Zone is you can put things on the shelf, but you can lock them there. So, like, if you've got assets you use repeatedly, let's say you're you make sales presentations and you have a little logo file with your company logo on it or something, you put it in there and you lock it. And then any file you're in, you can just drag it out of drop zone and put it right in there. And it adds it right away. Like um, for someone that does stuff like me, like I've got all the frames for the various iOS devices when I'm screencasting and I can drag those in Mac Sparky logo and a couple other things. And the, uh, the locking to the drop zone is, is very convenient. Yeah, Drop Zone is super cool. I've used it on and off over the years, and it uh, 
I mean, it seems so lame all of a sudden to open the FTP app and like go <laughs> yeah. navigate through a bunch of folders. Yeah. Um, or to, you know, have like a temporary folder somewhere. It's, it's, it's cool. Um, one that I've been experimenting with uh, since moving to my dual screen setup is Magnet. There's a bunch of window management apps uh, on the, uh, the Mac App Store or out on the internet. Moom is something that I used for a long time. Uh, but a friend of mine who is who lives the ultra wide lifestyle uh, suggested Magnet for me, and I I really just installed it like a week ago. I finally got around to doing it, and so I don't have a lot to say about it yet. Uh, I think at some point in this year, next year, we should maybe do uh, like a window management roundup. But uh, so far, Magnet has been pretty cool. It's got keyboard shortcuts, and you can activate by dragging. Um, and you can kind of set up like, okay, I want these windows to split into thirds horizontally or put the, these four windows in four quadrants on my display. So I feel like I've really just scratched the surface. So I really don't want to go too far into it here. But so far, I would say the experiment has been going well. Okay, we will do that show because I I, I have a lot to say about Moom and I need more time. Okay, <laughs> but, okay. Uh, if you're listening, uh, let us know your window management uh, favorite apps and problems that you're facing. So when we get around to that show, we can we can help you out with that stuff. Uh, but my next one is Moom. So there you go. <laughs> I, I'm using Moom. Uh, I also have right next to that the Opal software because I have yep. that Opal camera. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, it's an overpriced webcam, but it it does a really good job and I go in there and make adjustments and tweaks to it all the time. Um, you know, whether it's the the color balance or the focal length or whatever. And so I, I just find myself in the app frequently enough that it, yeah. it justifies being in the menu bar. Yeah. And I think it has, I think it's one of those that has to run because it's like the controller app for the camera and they're doing yes. a lot of custom stuff that Mac OS doesn't have APIs for. And so that's one that's like, Oh, you got to run a web uh, app free webcam. Yeah, but it's a really good webcam. Uh, I've got the same thing going over here, and um, and they're uh, I think they've done a good job of really putting all of it in the menu bar. I mean, uh, it's sort of a philosophy of development more than anything else. But some menu bar apps are really simple, right? They basically only exist there to get to the preferences. But others put like their whole UI up there, right? They have a lot of things, a lot of controls, and. Uh, Opal is one that I think they've struck a good balance where I can very quickly go in and do something and kind of move about my day. Yeah. Next to that, I have uh, drafts because if I want to get some quick text, uh, you can just click there and open drafts and get that going. Um, next to that, I have day one. Uh, I I guess maybe that's an aspirational menu bar app, but um, I don't think it's aspirational. I've been writing in it for 10 years. So, <laughs> you know, but the... Uh, but I do find myself like if something funny happens or whatever, I will just click the menu bar item and diary it right there. You know, just like I kind of think of the the day one as my version of Twitter, but it's just to myself so I can write whatever I want and it doesn't go out to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I am constantly hitting that, you know, and making multiple entries a day. So I just keep it in the menu bar. Another one uh, for me that we haven't uh, we haven't touched on yet is uh, Clean Shot X. 
which I think Mike Hurley got you on board with. I know he got me on board with yep, it. Yep, yep. Uh, just a man, baby. Yeah, just a more powerful screenshotting tool. What's built into macOS is fantastic. In fact, it's better than it's ever been because they've added a lot of optionality to it and a new UI for it as of a couple of years ago. But CleanShotX can do uh, GIFs, record video. It has really good markup tools that go even above and beyond, I think, what Apple's own markup tools do. And you can, uh, like, there's a cloud service you can attach to it and, like, upload your screenshots. I don't pay for that part of it. I just use the Mac app itself. And it's... uh, it's fantastic. I mean, my favorite thing about it is there's a setting to set a custom wallpaper behind any screenshots. And it means like if you have a blog post or something you're putting together, all of your screenshots and kind of match. Um, and it can hide the things on your desktop and like really tidy up screenshots for you automatically. If you if you have a job or, or a hobby or something where you're doing a lot of screenshots like documentation or blogging or something like that, this thing has saved me so much time in the six months I've been running it that I feel like it's already paid for itself. Yeah. And this is part of setup. So I'm already paying for it just like bartender, you know? Um, So that makes it so much easier. But the, uh, one of the things I really like about this app is, is the hiding the desktop stuff because I do a lot of recording and um, the app also has excellent support for uh, shortcuts. So I wrote a custom shortcut for hide the desktop and I've been mentioning this whole show that I have a script I run when I start recording. Well, it hides the dock. It changes the menu bar to dozer. Another thing it does is it runs that little keyboard shortcut to hide all the dock items using CleanShot X. So I'm sorry, hide all the desktop items Mm -hmm. using CleanShot X. So it's just like uh, with just a few keystrokes, I'm really able to just really set the stage. And, um, And this is one of the pieces of that for me. Uh, another one that this one's new to me, but I've been really liking it is loom. Um, uh, L O O M. It's a little online video service. Like you can make a quick video showing somebody how to do something. Uh, you can use it to, um, uh, like record your screen or just your face. And I am using it a lot. I, you know, with my team, like when I'm saying, Hey, Next time we have a customer with this problem, this is how you fix it. And I just make a video and I share it with the right people and they can watch the video now or they can watch it six months from now if they have to do it again. Um, even like when I get emails sometimes from labs members with something that needs a little more explanation, rather than try and write a long email, I'll just shoot a quick video and send it to them with Loom. And um, I've been pretty happy with uh, with this little service. And, I, you know, I'm a screen flow expert and I can do really great screencasts, but this is like a really quick, you know, run and gun kind of shoot a video and send it out thing. I think what's cool about it is that it, it strikes me, and I've only played with it, but it strikes me as like a good middle ground between trying to like do something in quick time, which is like really straightforward and easy, Versus the full like screen flow capture process, yeah. right? So it's kind of that sweet yeah. in between. It's something that's been on my radar since you've been playing with it. And I don't know if I've got a problem that it solves, but it's definitely something in the back of my mind of if I come across something where this fits, I'm definitely going to try it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a fan. You got more? I do. It just keeps on going. Um, another one that I think a lot of people will know and love is Rocket which lets you do Slack-style emoji where you type a colon and the name of the emoji. It lets you do it anywhere. 
Um, now, this has been, I think, uh, I feel like the importance of this, importance, it's an emoji picker. The importance of this have has come and gone over the years because like with the touch bar, you had emoji there uh, really easily. Um, and then you have like the globe key now on, on sort of more modern keyboards that you can, uh, you can map to different things. But uh, Rocket has stuck with me because like the idea of typing a colon and then starting to type the name of an emoji has just stuck with me because I use Slack all day every day. And it's a little free menu bar app and uh, sits up there and uh, it has some other cool stuff where you can uh, put in symbols, you can do your own GIFs and it like puts those in. Uh, so there's there's quite a few things you can do with Rocket, but I'm uh, I'm a big fan. Cool. Uh, home control. It's a great little app to let you turn lights off and on that you have connected to your home kit. Um, it also it has some automation tricks in it where you can turn things off and on. Uh, so I, uh, I keep that in the menu bar and use it frequently. Yeah. Home control is awesome. Uh, one, I think that uh, I am definitely newer to, because it, it replaced something that I ran for a long time is an app called reflex. And we've talked about this before, I'm sure. The annoyance that you and I both have that the media transport keys on the keyboard, back, play, pause, and forward, will control whatever media is playing. And it used to be those were basically like hardwired into iTunes or to music, and and that's not the case anymore. And I used uh, a couple of different open source projects over the years to change that back. And they all died off. And then I came across Reflex, which is a really simple menu bar app that basically uh, takes those media keys and sticks them directly to music. Or if you're a Spotify listener, you can select Spotify. And so even if I've got a YouTube video and something playing in messages and who knows what else, if I hit F8, which is play pause on my keyboard, it's going to play pause music. Uh, That's always what I want. Uh, And I mean... I think because I came up in the the era of iTunes, uh, those buttons control the music app. They don't do anything else in my mind. And so Reflex lets me uh, lets me fix that. And I was glad to come across it because what I was using uh, quit working a couple of years ago. And I was kind of bummed. And I was looking at like, well, I could do it in Keyboard Maestro probably. Like maybe there's another way to do it. But then the function keys are kind of different than other keys in some ways. Uh, but Reflex just takes care of it for me. There, there have been times in my life where you have been like the stand-up guy for me and like helped me out of sticky situations or just been my friend. And the day you taught me about this app, that's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, but that's the reason I spent the morning writing this Apple script because th- I also want to have independent control of volume in mm-hmm. music, which you don't get with Reflex. But either way, it's cool. And um, and I installed this app and I have never thought twice about it. I just love having it. Thank you for the referral on that. Uh, another one in my menu bar. And now, now I'm getting to the section that's beyond bartender, you know, the stuff that's in the hidden area. Okay. Everything so far has been kind of shown, but now I'm beyond it, you know, where the bartender thing drops down, but parcel. Um, I switched to parcel from deliveries about a year ago and because it has that Amazon thing and it's cool. And once in a while, I want to see where my packages are coming. Parcel's awesome. Uh, if you are looking for a delivery app uh, in the Apple ecosystem, it has my, like, I love it. Um, very straightforward, very clean. 
But the trick it has, like you said, is you can sign to Amazon with it. And then it pulls your incoming Amazon shipments. And it even has a, a, I think it's an option, but you can say move to next carrier. So very often something will start with Amazon and then maybe move to like the post office. Well, it can update itself to follow the new tracking number. And like, man, parcel is so useful. Uh, I used deliveries for years and years, and it seems like kind of that app's lost some steam. Uh, but parcel's awesome. And uh, yeah, it's great on the Mac. I don't have it in the menu bar, um, but it's something that I open with Alfred definitely pretty often. Yeah, nice app. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one for me is the ScreenFlow, ScreenFlow recording tools. Yeah. I just keep those open because I'm always making changes. And that's just where you decide, you know, am I going to record my mic or just my screen or my screen and my camera? Mm-hmm. But, you know, for my job, uh, it's useful. You do a lot of it. Uh, you do a lot of it. Um, I think what's left on our list, we basically share except for uh, except for one that jumped out at me on uh, your list, and that is Bunch, which I think we've talked about before. Uh, but could you give us like an overview of what Bunch does? Yeah, we, we've talked about this one on the automators quite a bit. It's uh, Brett Terpstra made an app that lets you use a text file as a setup and launcher app, you know, where you can open certain applications and run Apple scripts and do things. And I actually do this with Keyboard Maestro, and I've done it years with it, but I'm trying to use Bunch more, so I put it in the menu bar just so I, again, it's aspirational. I'm just trying to figure out, is Bunch better at this than Keyboard Maestro? And I haven't decided yet, so that one is there, but not a whole lot more to say about it at this point. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep us posted on that. If you, if you end up moving into it more, it's, it's one of those applications, like the idea of it's really interesting, but I kind of don't know what I would do, what I would do with it that I'm not already doing elsewhere. Yeah. Well, set up the whole idea of setups is a great idea, you know, um, where you automatically configure your computer for the type of work you're doing, keep you in context. I think it's, it's really a useful tool and this is just another way to do it. And, I think different ways land with different people, but Mm -hmm. Brett's Brett's made a really simple way to do it. And, you know, because it's Brett, it's going to be very well updated and maintained. You know, it's, it's going to be reliable. We each have sort of the, the MPU hall of famers, right? We've got, uh, (laughs) we got Hazel and we've got uh, text expander and better touch tool and, and keyboard maestro. All those apps we talk about all the time. Uh, I think we're we're both running basically all of them all the time. What well, one point I want to make about Text Expander is I keep it hidden uh, on the bartender, you know, like on the secondary list, because I've really come to find that the best way for me to use Text Expander because I have so many snippets is the search menu. They've got a setting in the setting where you can set a, a key term or a keyboard shortcut to open a Text Expander search. So if you can't remember a snippet, which is what I used to use the menu bar app to find, mm-hmm. I just hit um, control option command I and it opens the menu for me and I can just search it. So as a result, I don't need it really in my menu bar as much as I used to. Yeah, I use search and text painter all the time too. It's like I've got some that I need to use once a quarter and uh, I can never remember what I, <laughs> what I set them to. I just go in there and search for something and then I'm set. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by Indeed. If you are looking to hire, you want to trust your gut. But what if you could give your gut a little extra help? When you want to find top talent fast, you need Indeed. 
It is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire in one place. So don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. And if you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows that over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Instant Match really is incredible. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to U.S. Indeed data. Join more than the 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you can't afford to overspend on hiring. So visit Indeed.com MPU to start hiring now. That's I-N-D-E-E-D. Indeed.com MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing is not available for everyone. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for the support of the show and Relay FM. All right. Uh, we've covered the dock. We've covered the menu bar. We haven't talked about our startup apps, though. What are you using to launch when you start up your Mac? Yeah, so I think this is basically an addendum on top of what's in my menu bar, at least. Everything in my menu bar auto-launches. Um you know, most of them are just menu bar apps, so I'm not getting like wind, uh, yeah. application windows and stuff opening. But the most important thing I think that I that I launch at startup um, is Alfred, which is my launcher choice. We did a, a roundup of it and some others a while back now, probably a couple of years. Um, and with Alfred 5, which we talked about adding uh, a lot of niceties in terms of automation uh, it just continues to be the launcher of, of, of choice for me. And it launches uh, automatically at login. I run it headless, so no menu bar icon, no dock icon. And uh, it is, it's taken over command space for me even. So Spotlight, I don't even know what Spotlight is. Maybe like command option space, or maybe it doesn't even have a shortcut anymore. Uh, but Alfred 5 is, uh, man, it's like, the thing, the app, single app I probably touch the most on my Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, and that's the first one that loads for me too. Yeah. Uh, a couple that I have that load that weren't in the menu bar discussion. Um, uh, Daniel Jalkut's fast scripts. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, if you do Apple scripting, uh, that one is golden. So I have that one load for me. Yeah. Yeah. Fast scripts basically puts your, uh, your, scripts like front and center in a menu bar app and they do the thing that text expander does uh where he has put a search field at the top of the of the of the drop down so if you have a lot of these things you can very quickly uh, filter down to what you're looking for fast scripts is is awesome what else you have i've got a carbon copy cloner uh, which is what i use for my um nightly clone of my desktop and then a couple other things on my laptop. Um, it, they have a dashboard that basically runs and checks for updates and stuff, but then it also will um, like my backup is set on a schedule, right? So it keeps up with the time and launches the backup and then quits and all that stuff. Uh, so it, it launches in the background um, and 
I don't have it. I have, I'm running it at Hellas as well. It's not in the menu bar, but uh, something that runs every night. And Carmen Cavaclone is just kind of hanging out in the background, waiting for you know 2 a.m. <laughs> or whatever it is. And then we'll uh, clone my boot drive for me. I've got a couple like quality of life improvement utilities, uh, default folder X and pop clip that I have as startup items and default folder X. We've talked about it before, but it, it improves the save dialog box allows mm-hmm. you to add tags and frequent folders. Just a nice little upgrade. You know, it's called default folder X cause it was back on next. I mean, it, this, this app goes back a long way. Yeah. Um, but they continue to update it and, and make it nice, and they, they evolve with the changes in Mac OS. So uh, it's a really good app. I like it. Um, and then PopClip takes that feature from the iPhone where when you select text, it gives you options like contextual options to do things like turn it into title case or um, you know go search it on Google. There's, just a, you, there's actually a plug-in architecture now, so there's a lot of different things you can do with it. But... Uh, I like having that running, and anytime my Mac is running and PopClip isn't working, I inevitably run into a block wall somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think my I'm not a big PopClip user. I don't have it installed currently. It's something I check out every every so often. But what is neat about it is the large library of extensions, so you can really build out uh, exactly what you need. Like I'm looking through this now. Like I didn't I had no idea they were like translator plugins, which is really cool. So you can look up. Uh, like take your text and open it in Google Translate on the web, or or you know a bunch of different tools. Uh, it's pretty cool. I need I need to give this one another, another run. I think the one I use the most is Title Case when I write things for the internet and yep. um, I dictate them. I just go select it with the mouse, and then Pop Clip shows up, and I click the Title Case button, and it's done. It's it's fa- it's the fastest way I know to do that. Uh, Scan Snap Manager. That's like that's when I begrudgingly, you know, I mean, it's like, it's a utility for hardware, but I still use my scan snap. And when I turn it on, I like it to work. I don't want to have to go over and load it up and it doesn't seem to cause too much trouble in the background. Um, so I, I just leave it running. Yeah. I just, I pulled up their website and the first thing is like a really passive aggressive note about other people using their names and how they shouldn't use their name. It's like, okay. 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 Um, loop back is another rogue amoeba application uh, that I, I used to not run all that often unless we were doing like a live show or something, but I wanted to run audio through both studio displays at the same time. If I'm listening to, to music and loop back lets me do that. So I, I, I wrote a blog post at the beginning of the year. I'll put it in the show notes uh, of how to do this. And so basically you, you take uh, both the studio displays and set them as like as, outputs at the same time because mac os lets you only choose one and not both and uh, it sounds awesome listening to music through two studio displays and it was really easy to set up and so loopback just launches at login i have my default audio output to be that loopback device and uh, which is basically like a virtual sound device and then i have music or whatever come out of both my displays and um i was trying to think how to do this it's like oh you know, loop back and do it. And it's, uh, it's been awesome. It just runs in the background. Does it cause any trouble? Uh, even with, you know, moving, um, uh, between multiple audio devices, right? Cause my, my, uh, interface that I used to record on isn't always on, right? So when I turn it on, 
then macOS switches my input and output automatically. And when I'm done and turned it off, loopback takes back over and I have audio out of both both my speakers. And it's uh, it's one of those apps that's like it's very specific. But if it if you have audio routing needs, it's uh, it's really the only thing that I found on the Mac that can do what it can do. Uh, quick rabbit hole. How do you like your dual studio display lifestyle? It's awesome. I'm I'm really I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it's it's really awesome right now. I have our show notes in front of me and the CMS and like the links we're talking about. On the other screen, I have our Zoom call and our recording and timery and reminders and like being able to separate things out without having to use spaces so much is something I I'm digging and uh, I've been I've been really happy with it. Good. So many pixels. So many. Yeah, it's a lot of pixels. <laughs> I'm still a lot pretty of good with. I, I have this amazing monitor. I, I think I'm probably going to stick with it. But the, uh, the, yeah, I hope I get a lot of years out of it, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another one that I'll I'll throw in here is uh, Clean My Mac X from our friends at MacPaw. Uh, of course, it's in Setup because they also run Setup. But it, um, I really keep it on my Macs for um, malware detection. And uh, I don't run like a separate antivirus, but like there's some adware stuff that I've come across before um, and some of its other sort of uh, cleanup stuff that it can do. I'd like there's a lot of utilities in this category that I would not recommend you try, but clean out Mac X is awesome. And their previous sponsor, as are a bunch of these other companies today, like that doesn't have any impact on what we choose to use personally. But um, I found this to be useful. And so it, it it sticks around as a login item. And every once in a while, it's like, hey, it's time to check out your machine. And I let it do its thing. And then I move on. Yeah, I just find it does a really good job of, of, of all the tedious work of cleaning your Mac for you. And um, again, I'm always interested in apps that are actively developed uh, by people that seem to be concerned about constantly making it better. And that's the impression I get from these folks. Back when we used to all meet each other, back before COVID. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else on your uh, startup list? We haven't talked at all today about Dropbox. I have had a kind of sorted past. I'm not a big fan of the Dropbox app. I feel like it's resource heavy. It does a lot of stuff under the hood that I wish it didn't do. Um, I tried to use Maestrel. For a while, that was like an open source third party app. It was mm-hmm. like a minimal Dropbox thing. But a couple times, I got an email from Steven or Jim saying, Hey, the file isn't there in Dropbox. And I'm like, Well, that's funny because I put it there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something went wrong with my third party Dropbox app. Anyway, so I decided I wasn't going to let that happen again. So I just bit the bullet and installed Dropbox. Now that loads when I log in mm-hmm. and you know, it's in the menu bar, and I just tried not to think about the fact that that I've got this app running. And maybe I'm not being fair to it. Um, with Apple Silicon, I don't think it's as big of a problem, but I also feel like the Dropbox company should do a better job with this app. And I happen to know there's a few of them that listen to the show, and every time I say the bad things, I hear from them. Mm-hmm. But it just it just feels a little ponderous, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I use it. It's it's in my startup and in my menu bar. Um, there's a transition going on right now with Dropbox. My laptop has updated, but my desktop has not. 
where to be compatible with a change made like two years ago in macOS, they're moving the contents of your Dropbox folder out of wherever you stored it. Mine was just in the root level of my home folder to, you know, some buried container folder somewhere. And then it puts a shortcut basically where it used to be. And you can still add it to your sidebar in the finder, which is really all I care about because that's how I, I get to it a lot. But um, I've had that happen on one machine, but not the other. And I, I guess they're slowly rolling that out. Uh, that was pretty smooth on my laptop. It, it moved everything and like re-indexed and it, you know, it was done within a little bit of time. But I agree with you. It, it feels like Dropbox as a company is more interested in like new features for businesses. And I get it. Like that pays the bills, that pays the bills. But I feel like people who are just like using it to sync files and folders with coworkers, I feel like a, a little left out from, you know, the attention that we used to get, especially on the Mac. And I find that frustrating. I mean, that's, and there's a couple other things going on, right? I mean, number one is that's the way it used to be. It used to be super fast and efficient and super minimal. But, you know, that's what happens when you become a publicly traded company. You want to grow the, you have to grow the business and, You've got to find other ways to do that and blah, blah, blah. But also I feel like, you know, if Apple did a better job with iCloud and, um, you know, everything just magically worked the way it does with Dropbox and they made it easier to get more storage and cheaper, you know, we'd all be just using that. And, yeah. you know, so there's there's plenty of blame to go around here. But, yeah, I I am um, – I've kind of got you actually inspired me to say, look, just just install Dropbox and don't think about it anymore. I mean, I've got this Mac that is blindingly fast. If I'm mm-hmm. going to have an inefficient app on it, I'm not going to notice it. And I'm running the Scan Snap Manager, which probably is just as bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, who with, knows you what know, that thing's doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just feel like you know, um, it's fine. You know, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Um, you know, if if iCloud Drive gave me control over I always want these folders local I never want these folders local that would probably be enough because I do have some shared iCloud drive folders now with people and the syncing seems reliable it's just a matter of is that file going to be local or not and uh something I, I because I have so much in Dropbox something I actually really care about um but I also use Dropbox as the back end for instance for uh DevonThink so my Let's see. I do this every once in a while on the show and people, I think, recoil in fear. But, you know, my uh, 147 gigabytes of DevonThink databases sync via Dropbox. And that's been bulletproof. And it's just it's been sort of like the underlying fabric of my compute life for a long time. I think that's why I get frustrated with it sometimes. Like, uh, yeah, like I do wish the app was better. I do wish they were more responsive to changes on the Mac. I, I do wish I had, you know, finer control over certain things but at the end of the day there's nothing else that really fits the bill like dropbox for me at least and so i kind of feel stuck there you know which is a bummer but they're worse things i guess at what point does apple like um archives just start calling you and asking questions i don't know i'm not sure they have a database that big hit me up i could tell you a lot about the lisa you know all sorts of stuff. <laughs> it had it had uh, it had rectangular pixels, David. It was a weird computer. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Electric. Go to electric.ai slash MPU and unbury yourself from IT tasks. Moreover, you get a free pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones 
when you schedule a qualifying meeting at that link, electric.ai slash MPU. Now, when leading your small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop that's lost in the mail for a new hire or dealing with some other technical emergency, which you're well-equipped to deal with. You're a Mac power user. Of course you can handle that stuff, but maybe you shouldn't be. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges, and that's why they've solved the problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build your empire and let Electric handle the rest. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Now, I have been in the position that you are thinking about right now. I was the IT guy at my law firm, even though I wasn't paid as it. Even though at the end of the year, when they figured out my bonus, they never took that into account. It was just a thing that I did, and it kept me from doing my work. And you're probably in the same position. Sometimes your ability and your uh, your Mac power user superpowers actually get in the way and you should not let that happen with your small business. I wish I had electric back in those days and you should get it right now. For Mac Power Users listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualifying meeting. Just go to electric.ai/mpu. Once again, that's electric.ai/mpu. Go there now. Get your free pair of Beat Solo 3 wireless headphones just for scheduling a meeting. And our thanks to Electric for their support of the Mac Power users. So before we go, I did want to talk a little bit about startup apps in Ventura because I think Apple in the new version of Mac OS wanted to clarify what was actually happening when you logged into your computer. But I think they made it more confusing in the way that they did it. Um, my first point here is really just a complaint that in the old system preferences, your startup items were listed with your user, which made a ton of sense to me, right? It's like, okay, this is my user and these are the login items associated with that user. But in system settings, it's under general and then login items, which structurally makes me think, oh, are these opening for everybody? Well, no, if you log in as a different user, the list is different. Why is it in general then? I don't know. Who knows? I certainly don't know. But that's really just like a, a top-level complaint. That's not really a, my point to this. But I, as I was writing this out, I thought, why is this where it is? I don't, I don't understand. But if you're in Ventura and you go to general login items, you get a, an overview of everything happening uh, on your Mac. And at the top of it, there's, there's two sections. The two sections also, they don't look the same. Some of the lower one has toggles. The upper one has like the plus and minus buttons. Why are they different? Again, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Um, I honestly like, you know, a lot of people are, are writing things with, with like chat G- GPT and it sounds, you know, it's like oh, a human almost wrote this, but not quite all the way. Maybe chat GPT laid out system settings. I don't know. But uh, the top <laughs> yeah, <maybe>. section <laughs> are, <laughs> are applications that open at login. So things like Alfred, CleanShot X, Dropbox, Keyboard Maestro, right? That's kind of what you'd normally think of. Like, this is an application that's running probably in my menu bar. Maybe it's just a regular application that open at login, right? 
And that's what we had in the old system was basically just this top section. Okay, I want, for instance, I want Safari to open every time I log in. Well, I can add it to this list. And when I log in, Safari will launch, right? Straightforward, easy to understand, and pretty easy to manage, right? You can add things, you can remove them. Although like three of mine don't have app icons next to them. I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, pretty straightforward. And I think, okay, it's good to carry that forward, right? An easy way to manage that, even if it's in a weird place in system settings. Where yes, this, but. But, but where this gets weird is the section they added eventually. And again, I think the idea was good to give you a better view of what was happening on your system. So the new section is called Allow in Background. And I'm just going to read you what the helper text says. Applications add background items to perform tasks when the application isn't open, such as checking for software updates or syncing data. Turning off a background item may prevent these tasks from being completed. So an example uh, in my list here is uh, Adobe Creative Cloud, right? That is a... Uh, an application that's running all the time on my Mac because I pay for Creative Cloud because I use um, Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign and all these others. And uh, it has uh, a background app or service that's running all the time. And if I uncheck it, you know, I assume all those apps will explode. But, and, and maybe, the, and I'm willing to couch this in this is the system's only been out a few months and, and maybe it's just going to take time for everyone to catch up. But as it stands today, as when we're talking about this, this list is really confusing. I think in some like fundamental ways. I'm not sure that people, even with the helper text really understand the differences between this is an application. This is a program that's running and this is a, part of an application or a service that's running. For example, uh, let's take Clean Shot X. It's running in the top list because it opens at login, but it's also on the bottom list. I, I assume because they're running some sort of service all the time to listen for keyboard shortcuts. That's I don't know that, but my guess is that's what, what that allowing background is about. But if I look at this as a user, I'm going to say, oh, well, I don't need it in both places. I'll just uncheck one of them. Well, then the app doesn't work the way you expect it to. And maybe that's on the developers of CleanShotX to make that more clear. But I think Apple, in their desire to make things more transparent, which again, I think is a good thing, I think is a little confusing. And I think it's complicated by the fact that it is new. And so like, I have com.microsoft.office.licensing.helper running. And it says item from an unidentified developer. Well, that's probably Microsoft. You know, Microsoft should probably update that and be ready to go. Um, but they're not yet. And so I have this like weird thing in my weird and honestly kind of scary thing if I'm just a normal user uh, yeah. in my Login items. I don't know. I just, I, I just, I find it sort of frustrating. I wonder if I'm alone in that. What do you think? No, you're not alone. I mean, knowing we were going to talk about this today, I spent like an hour trying to like get to the bottom of what these do and don't do. And honestly, I didn't get there because I don't think anybody knows outside of Cupertino. Uh, uh, I did an experiment with the the one thing app, you know, the menu bar app that 
allows you to put some words in your menu bar. That's all. It's a very simple app, right? Uh, but it has a um, background uh, checkbox in it. What What is it doing in the background? It's mm-hmm. just an app that puts some text in my menu bar. So just for giggles, I turned it off in background, but then I'm running it in my menu bar and it works fine. Yeah. So, and, and I can also open it up and change the text. So I don't know what is going on in the background, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And I turned it off and it doesn't seem to have mattered. And then like the Microsoft stuff you were mentioning, Microsoft has like four or five of them. And I think they all relate to updates, right? But one of the beauties of taking a 30 year career and throwing it overboard for me was that I don't have to be using Microsoft word every day anymore. Um, so I thought, well, I'll just turn off the auto updater, but it wants me to give my system login uh, credentials to to turn that off like they've they've got like double secret probation here where they've got an extra layer where you can't just turn it off you've got to type in your system password and uh, i don't really understand rhyme or reason of what what these all are doing and um i think apple needs to be more transparent and i think there needs to be like communication with developers where um, develop like you should be able to click on it. it says we need background for this you know mm-hmm. in human language what they're doing i've got one here for corsair memory i'm like yeah me too well, what the what the heck is that i, I don't mean, know is it some, <laughs> uh, you know i've got an <laughs> owc drive attached and i'm thinking well is this something to my because there's also com.owc.driveguide.helper so it's like, I don't know what that's doing, but I've got an OWC drive that I back up to and I don't want to mess that up. You know, uh, interestingly, that one does have an information button. And if I open it, it takes me to a terminal window showing me launch demons. I mean, this is completely unhelpful. Yeah. You know, to, yeah so, so I just think that um, this needs work. Um, in some ways, it's better in the sense that like in the old uh, user login, um, it was misleading as well because if you just uh, it, it you, you weren't necessarily deleting it as a login item the way it was structured. I don't remember the exact thing. Like if you hit the negative button, it didn't necessarily go away. Or no, there was a checkbox next to each one, and people would say, "Well, I'll just uncheck it, right?" And then they would think that that was all they had to do to turn it off, and that's not. You actually had to delete it with the negative item. Now I remember. Um, so they got rid of that that confusion with the old one, but. Um, I'm with you, and and I just think that this is um, something that is early days, and uh, you know this is a symptom of a bigger problem with the system preferences that that they need more work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and maybe it's fixable if Apple enforced. Okay, if you're going to be in here, you need to have a little line of text about what you're doing, right? Yeah. Um, some of them have the little information button and it will open it in Finder. So like updater startup utility item from unidentified developer. I hit it and of course it's Adobe. It's like, okay, fine. I get it. Adobe's kind of bad at this stuff. So it is what it is. But I think in its current state, it just leads to a lot of confusion. And if you really want to see what these things are, like out in Finder, they could be in your launch agents folder in your user or in the system library, or in launch uh, launch demons in the system library. So like things can be scattered. And I think 
Apple's trying to put it all in one place to give us more control. And again, I applaud that. I just think that they need this needs some more time. And and I'm hopeful that through policy and hopefully some improvements to the UI, this can become actually a really useful tool. Like what actually is running on my computer? What and yeah. more importantly, what is it doing? Right. Like you mentioned the ones like, well, I turned it off and nothing changed. Well, it probably shouldn't be in there, right? It probably doesn't need to be in there. And having some recognition of that and giving the user tools to make informed decisions is important. And right now I feel like any decisions I make about this aren't really fully informed unless I just go do a bunch of research on my own. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm, I think we're in agreement. This is a step in the right direction, but the cake is not done baking. And uh, a lot will be revealed to us in June. Like if at WWDC, we find a bunch of improvements to the system, um, to the system settings. I always forget the name of it now because they changed it. Yeah. System set. If we find a bunch of changes and stuff like this starts getting cleaned up, we'll know that they just weren't done when they shipped it last year. And hopefully we get improvements to that. But yeah, I, I agree with you that this is something that is, is difficult to understand and I'm not sure it's understandable at this time because I think a lot of the stuff in here is here under different conditions and for different reasons. So it doesn't mean the same thing that Microsoft is here and one thing is here. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that this summer. Yeah. I have a couple in here that I'm like completely clueless as to what these are. <laughs> like, like Guillermo Rambo is in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's one thing I saw some developers complaining about is that they'd automatically label instead of the app name the developer name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I, is I not because he made that little. I think it's an Air Buddy. He made some little. He made a little app that I bought from him that allows me to quickly attach headphones. I don't know, but you know, it's just got his name here with no explanation of what that's about. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's work to be done. There is. All right, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. You can find the forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. We want to thank our sponsors today, Text Expander, Indeed, and Electric. And we'll see you next time.